as we look forward to Saturday, it is our home opener, but it's never really going to feel like that debut at our home stadium until it's full of fans. One month on the outside looking in, one month of nothing but practice and a few scrimmages, Inter-Miami will finally play their home opener on Saturday against the MLS's back tournament runners-up Orlando City. This is Miami Total Football Radio. I'm Eric Krakauer, joined by Inter-Miami insider Franco Panizo. And Franco, MLS soccer finally returns to Miami after a two-decade slumber, albeit with a or within a dystopian context i guess you could put it that way hey for the first time in 19 years south florida is going to have an mls game that counts so that stands for something obviously not not in ideal circumstances there will be no fans at inter miami cf stadium this saturday but it's been a long time coming especially if you throw in the last five months with everything that's gone on and the point of being so close to the opener and then it being canceled or postponed two days before it happens. So I'm sure it's people will welcome it. Obviously, it doesn't happen as as others would like or would have liked. But, it, it, you know, at this point, you take what you can get, uh, given how long it's been. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Luis Robles saying that this isn't really going to feel like a home opener. I mean, that's stating the obvious, but it needs to be said on this week's show we'll preview saturday's match uh, the second sunshine classico as we call it here on the pod and hopefully you do too wherever you're listening we'll update you um about blaze matuidi's status as well as other personnel news and we'll take some time to answer your questions which sometimes are more than just one question a person uh, you really take <laughs> take liberties with, with, your, <laughs> with your with your tweets uh, Wait, but we have we passionate do. we have passionate uh followers and listeners okay so uh, <laughs> we do we and do very and very curious uh, ones at that too yeah absolutely and and devoted ones it should be said a lot of the same people maybe the same three people who listen to the pod week in or uh week in week out i was gonna say it's not really week in and week out given what we've been uh going through but it will be but it will be it will be going forward because the games are coming back on a, on a weekly basis so we can get back to our original plan of doing this at least once a week yeah absolutely and hopefully they'll be more entertaining than the uh, matchups we've seen between nashville and uh, oof, dallas oof. Uh, so let's get to it all right, Sunshine Classico 2.0 kicks off Saturday at 8 p.m. at Inter-Miami Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. The first match, the MLS is back tournament opener, saw Orlando tally the first win in what we hope will become a fierce rivalry. Orlando arrives in Miami as the runner-up of MLS is back, and unquestionably, Franco, the surprise of the tournament. Yeah, they definitely impressed and turned a lot of heads. And obviously, on myself included, I'll throw myself into that bunch. I didn't expect Orlando City to get anywhere close to that. But thanks to uh, overall solid performance from the group, well-coached, well-drilled, knew what they wanted to do. It was very clear that they, they had a style that they wanted to play. And they got very good performances from Pedro Galese in goal, as well as Nani uh, up top, little Portuguese in 
and Peruvian connection there, just like on on this show. But I was I was I, I hadn't I, even thought about that. Yeah, yeah, but, man, yeah, man. Good point. Yeah, good point. <laughs> um, but it's it's now it's MLS regular season time. The MLS is back tournament. While it will be something that is talked about when you talk about 2020 and something that the Lions are going to use to build on their season. For Inter-Miami, it's all about just the resumption of the season. Put the re- everything in the back, uh, in the rearview mirror, and focus on what's ahead, starting with this Saturday's home opener. And it should be an interesting matchup, given how both teams are coming into this one. They're very different, uh, or in very different circumstances. Orlando City is fresh off of losing that final. They played a week ago, uh, as of today, Tuesday, when we're recording this this pod. Inter-Miami has not played since July 20th, I believe. So they've gone almost a whole month without a game. And that's that's definitely a talking point. Diego Alonso today on a, on a video conference discussed that and mentioned that, brought that up, said that Inter-Miami's at a disadvantage because they haven't played a game or gotten into that game rhythm that they've been looking for, whereas Orlando has been playing essentially not, you know, nonstop for a month. Um, and they've had four or five more games than Inter-Miami to this point, so... Definitely something to take into consideration going into Saturday, but at the end of the day, there's no excuses. You have to win and perform, and Inter Miami needs that needs that victory because another loss would be six games without without a victory. Right, and completely different rhythms, right? And and that's the point that you're making. Orlando City growing throughout the tournament. I thought they had an impressive start against. Inter Miami in that first game, particularly the first 25 to 30 minutes where they were all over Miami. They were pinning them back. Uh, their high pressure was working uh, very well. Uh, Nani didn't have the best of games, but made the difference in that one and then became one of the two candidates with Blanco of the Portland Timbers uh, to win the MVP honors. He didn't because Orlando did not win that game. They lost uh, to 2-1. But we are looking at a team in Orlando that clearly, as you noted, has a game plan. They have been able to create a routine with that game plan by playing various games. Whereas Miami have been, as I noted in the introduction, on the outside looking in. But it must be said that with a lot of time to actually practice a lot of time for Alonzo, who hasn't had that much time with the players or didn't before this, to implement his blueprint. This was actually practice without social distancing, right. which is what we saw when they got back to the practice field. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a good point to make and to bring up because obviously they, before the MLS's back tournament, they only had a couple of weeks of full training before the game started. Prior to that, they were doing individual workouts at, at the practice facility. Then they were doing socially distanced team practices. Uh, so they didn't have a whole lot of time as a group. And they've talked about that over the course of the last few weeks uh, and even months that they obviously have to gain that chemistry. It's still an expansion team where players are still learning from one another, learning their tendencies on the field. They, the players have said they get they get along very well off the field, but that you know you don't really you can't really mimic a, a real game situation even in practice, and only in matches is it is it when you really learn about your teammates and what kind of players they are and what they like to do, what they don't like to do. So that that's definitely been a a, a, a thing for Inter Miami, a, a top talking point. Diego Alonso today also brought up that the fact that. You know, to mitigate that that lack of game rhythm or to the difference between them and Orlando City, 
he or the club looked to schedule some friendlies during this down period, this downtime, but they weren't allowed to do so, which I guess explains why, like we touched on in last week's pod, that Inter Miami had uh, an intra squad scrimmage at the stadium with the, with full jerseys on and the lights on in the stadium on August eighth in the evening. I guess it, it was to replicate as close as possible uh, a, a game situation because they're obviously lacking that. Yeah, for sure, uh, for sure, and 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 a very clearly defined first team versus a a second team and some players who um, hadn't really played much or played at all i'm thinking of an aj de la garza for example and we mentioned this on 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 the last pod actually getting on the field and you just wonder how many players who haven't really featured will have used that and as an opportunity to impress and convince diego alonso that they deserve uh, an opportunity now the big news here uh, for this game is that more likely than not we will see leandro gonzalez pires Mm -hmm. starting uh, the big question is whether he'll start in a three-man back line or whether it's going to be a, a a back four. But this is a welcome addition to the team, as we've noted before. We'll talk about Blaise Matuidi uh, in, the, in the second segment. But the fact that they have uh, an MLS Cup winner uh, in the back line now, somebody who perhaps can can pair up with, with Figal, I think that actually boosts the, the confidence of the team. Yeah, so I think they touched on that today as well. Uh, Diego Alonso and Luis Robles were the two people uh, or the two members of the team that spoke today. And Robles said that his presence is a big boost for the for the club for the back line. Diego Alonso also touched on his ability to initiate attacks and pass the ball and move the ball. That that's all going to be pluses for what he brings to the table for Inter Miami. So fully expect him to start. Like you said, it's going to be interesting to see if if Diego Alonso goes with that three slash five man backline with the two wing backs, or if he goes with a four man backline, and then what he does with the right back situation there, because obviously that's been uh, a little bit of a conundrum for him or a little bit of an issue for him at to this point in the season. But Gonzalez Pires, you can you can probably pen pencil that in. I wouldn't even say pencil. You can pen that in. He'll be starting. They obviously wanted him to play at the MLS's back tournament and were not allowed to. But he is eligible and available for this Saturday's match against Orlando City. Ninety nine point nine percent chance he's starting. And he and he's, he's jumping. And, and, yeah, and he's going to be talking later this week to to the media as well. So um, some you know we'll, we'll be able to pick his brain a little bit about how things are going as well. Right, and you'll be tweeting about that or. You know, doing your your little videos outside, uh, wherever it is uh, that you do them. Um, I lost my train of thought. I'm gonna no, go to is... I'm gonna go to Aventura and do one soon, bro. I'm gonna go to your in front of your place and just post up there, and then you'll see you'll be. You, I won't even tell you I did it. And then you'll just see it on no, on Miami just... Total Football YouTube's channel, and you'll be like, you were outside of my house. No, you got to tell me. I'll, I'll just go to my balcony and I'll and I'll, I'll applaud you for for your efforts. Uh, but let's let's actually talk about this match. And, and as I noted before, Orlando City going from strength to strength in the tournament with various players in, in pressing. And one thing that for me became obvious about Orlando City, uh, although some might might disagree is that this is actually a very balanced squad and if I'm looking at any particular weakness it would be in the number nine role Uh, in in fact I would add that the lack of a a real scorer um, in the box 
is what hurt Orlando uh, against uh, the Timbers. Akindeli started that game. He didn't start all the games uh, for uh, Orlando. So defensively, looking at Orlando, I think that Miami should feel fairly comfortable that they can contain them. The issue becomes navigating what was a pretty pretty good press. Yeah, so for me, and it's interesting because I'm going to refer back to Diego Alonso's call today when he I asked him about you know how they've taken these last four weeks and how they've you know managed the, four, the last four weeks since the tournament exit, and he said obviously that they've worked really hard, but he mentioned that they've been working arduously at fixing the defensive situations or issues that that have cost them points in games. He didn't mention the attack, Inter-Miami's attack, which to me, I think that's the bigger question mark going into this game and going towards the stretch run of the season is how does, where are the goals going to come from? Who is going to score these goals? Because right now to date, through five matches, they have three goals. So until they sign that DP number nine or the DP winger or whoever's going to come in to help facilitate some chance creation, where are the goals going to come from? I think that well, and- there's there's going to be no chance creation if Inter Miami can't play through uh, Orlando City's midfield, and, and that was something that was blatantly obvious in the in the first game. Well, so I mean, in, in terms of just the high pressure or the pressure, Orlando City's pressure, which did cause them tr- trouble, especially in that first half in the MLS's back uh, tournament. Yeah, it's it's going to be a challenge for them. They don't have Blaze Matuidi for this one, so that cross him off the list it's probably going to be will trap and victor Uyoa again in, in the center of the park i would like to see lee win get some minutes but obviously will trap and victor Uyoa have been the the one of the very few constants that diego alonso has had to this point so i don't know i don't i, I mean it's going to be very difficult I, I i wouldn't be surprised if inter miami goes again with the 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 game plan of attacking Primarily down the wings. Maybe Leandro Gonzalez Pires' arrival will help give them an added element in terms of trying to build out or play through that press. But I wouldn't be surprised just to see Inter Miami target the wings and try to build out through the wings or attack down the wings predominantly because that's something we've seen at least twice in in in, in Inter Miami's first five games. Yeah, and what what I remember uh, mostly from that first game was how Nani, in the moments when it mattered, uh, took over that left corridor and burned Dylan Nealis, uh, particularly in the first goal, uh, a change of speeds, which the uh, the young right back couldn't keep up with, considering he's, you know, ten years younger, but also the inability to stick with Nani uh, and to track him. When that ball comes down and he finishes it out from from just outside the six do, yard. Do, do you think? Do you think Diego? I'm asking you now, just a straight up opinion. Here. Do you think Diego Alonso? If you're Diego Alonso, do you think you start Dylan Nealis again in this one? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, but I would feel I would feel more comfortable starting him first of all because look, and of course we talked about this after that game. Dylan Nealis is a rookie, right? He he just came out of college. He's got a lot to learn, and he's facing a guy who has been an elite player for his entire career, a guy who represented some huge clubs uh, in Europe, including Manchester United, a Premier League uh, champion, a European champion 
uh, with Portugal. I definitely have to add that there. <laughs> and, and I think that if you sit Dylan Nealis for this game, although it's all about pragmatism and not players' feelings, you could inadvertently hurt his confidence. Here's an opportunity for you to say to Dylan Nealis, look, you actually had 90 in your pocket for a lot of the game. And part of that was because Orlando didn't play particularly well after the first 25 minutes. And and maybe that's credit to Inter-Miami coming out of their shell a little bit. But you did quite well. It, there were just a couple of crucial moments where you weren't at your best. And that ultimately made the difference. But I would feel more comfortable sending D- Dylan Nealis out there if I'm playing with three center backs. Because at least you can compensate for any mistake. Somebody can shift uh, to that right side, whether that would be um, Figal, which could be the obvious answer to that question, considering that he did play as a right back. So maybe the right sided of a three-man back line would make sense. Or even Andres Reyes, who during certain moments in certain games was, was quite impressive. So from what I've heard is that they've trained in both looks. The, obviously, the, the three center back look and the four man backline with you know two regular fullbacks and two center backs. I don't know which way they're going to go. If I had to guess, if I had to venture a guess, I would say that he goes with a four man backline, but he does not start Dylan Nealis. He was Diego Alonso was very quick to pull the trigger on Dylan Nealis after that performance. Dylan Nielis did not start that second game against the Philadelphia Union. You saw Nico, Nicolas Figal back or at right back, not back at right back, but you saw him at right back. He fared okay, didn't look the most comfortable, but he fared okay there. And I think, just my opinion, just what I think Diego Alonso is going to do, I think even though he started Dylan Nielis again against New York City FC, I don't think he starts him here against Orlando City again. I think the nightmares of seeing Nani torch him in the last 10 minutes of that game and, and stoppage time, I think that's going to that's gonna be a painful reminder for him, and I don't think he's going to want to roll the dice and try that again, a rookie versus a Portuguese winger with European experience that is coming off of a, a tournament in which he perf- was one of the best players, like you said, one of the top two players in the competition, and he grew as, as the tournament went on. So I don't think we'll see Dylan Nielsen. I think it's going to be a four-man backline, Nico Figal, uh, at the right back spot, Lando Gonzalez Pires with Andres Reyes in the middle, and then Ben Sweat probably back back in the left back spot. You know, we've been talking about Nani, but another player that I think is uh, needs to be mentioned, uh, particularly because he was one of those players who just got better as the tournament progressed, and that is um, Pereira, Mauricio Pereira, who was playing in the hole behind Akindeli uh, in the middle. And I thought he wasn't particularly impressive in the first couple of games, but really good in the last three games that Orlando uh, City played. Was was good at getting Orlando out of pressure, uh, was good at navigating tight spots, particularly against Portland. Portland sitting back and looking to hit on the counter. And he's a guy who I think, if he is given too much freedom, and in fact his growth I think is what also um, allowed Nani to become more influential, right? Because he, he, he doesn't have to force it as, as much. The game came more naturally to him. And one thing that we have seen Nani do in MLS is he tends to force things. He wants to make uh, things happen. But how do you stop Pereira uh, in the midfield? And if you play with that four-man back line, let's say you go with a 4-2-3-1, uh, Uyoa or Will Trapp are going to have to watch this guy. We know that Will Trapp is not the best defensively 
Uh, I don't know if you want to uh, limit Uyoa to keeping an eye on, on a creative player when his his ability to cover a lot of grass is what makes him, I think, an important player in the 11. And I just wonder also if the three-man back line allows you to deal with Pereira a little bit better because one of those center backs can always step to uh, the number 10 for Orlando. I think Miami is just going to focus more on themselves, to be honest with you. Obviously, they're going to game plan for Orlando City and try to negate their their difference makers and their their most talented players. But I think they're just they're not going to game plan around Pereira. I think Nani's the guy they're going to most most take into consideration, figure out a way to limit his touches or to try to get him away from goal to so he receives the ball as far from goal as possible. But I don't I don't necessarily think they're going to. You know they're going to do anything specific with regards to Pereira, other than maybe you know Will Trap and Victorio. One of you needs to keep an eye on him a little bit more than the other, based on who goes forward and and who stays who stays back on a given play or in a given moment. I, th- I honestly like I, I think Miami's going to just try to do their game plan, play the style that Diego Alonso says, has said repeatedly he wants to play that you saw spurts of against the Philadelphia Union. I think. That they're gonna try to have a little more of the ball, try to create a little more, and I think he's feeling the the pressure a little bit. Obviously, he's zero and five, and you know I don't think he's at anywhere near close to being at risk of getting fired. But today, somebody asked a question. It was a Spanish language media member asked the question about about the team, and he said, you know, you guys have you're off to six six defeats. You have six losses, and Diego Alonso responded laughingly. In a, in a in a joking manner, he was like, "Oh, he's like, it's only five. He's only five. Don't give me six. Don't give me. Don't add an, on another one there." So, I, but I think he's feeling it. I think you know. I think he ne- knows that he needs to win. That the fan base is clamoring for a win, and that this this start hasn't really been acceptable. So, I think it's gonna the focus will be on Inter Miami more than it will be on on Orlando City. Obviously, Nani again will will be a big big uh, focal point for the for their defensive game plan. But I, I don't think that it's going to be you're going to see Inter Miami play regress uh, uh, reactive soccer. I think you're going to see them try to play a little more proactively, especially with all the downtime that they've had and the time they've had to try to work on things. Just to piggyback on the point that you were making about Alonso, it's interesting that they're playing Orlando because. If you are a Miami aficionado and you're looking at Alonzo coming into this team and the team isn't uh, progressing, isn't evolving, and then you look at the other bench and you see Oscar Pareja, who also just arrived this season uh, with Orlando, and you saw the immediate impact that he had uh, even in the, in the first game, and you begin naturally uh, to ask questions. However, I think it would be silly, uh, although I agree with you that he certainly is feeling a little bit of pressure, and I don't think he—I he, don't think he feels like his his job is is on the line, but his reputation, uh, perhaps. And there is a tendency for teams that lose a lot to get into a rut where their confidence is, you know, very very low, and then you get into this snowballing effect where you just can't get out of it. And I think it's really important that Miami. Not well. I think it's important that they win this game, but but more importantly than that, I think they need to be able to look at themselves after this game and go, man, we saw some. There was a tangible improvement there. Nobody can point the finger at us and 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 think we didn't improve. We did improve. We just didn't get lucky. Maybe we got a point, right? But we had chances. You know, Gaezi had to make saves. Uh, so that that is going to be a very important thing. And before we 
we uh, put an end to this segment, uh, a question for you, okay? So you're talking about perhaps Nealis not starting in, Fig- in, in Figal. Who do you start at left back and who do you start up front? Uh, like I said, I think Ben Sweat starts uh, at left back, I think up front. So Juan Agudelo is out because he got red carded in that loss against New York City FC. And that leaves you with Robbie Robinson, who is back with the group, and Julian Carranza. I think Julian Carranza is going to get the start. Robbie Robinson obviously was away for a while, so he's probably not as fit as you need him to be if you're Inter-Miami. So I would expect Julian Carranza to get the start, and maybe he can get a goal. That's I mean, again, like that's the biggest question for me, is where are the goals going to come from? So I think that, that, that I think the rest of the... the, the Lineup will be pretty straightforward. At least in the midfield, you'll probably see Uyo and Trap, Pizarro as the ten, Lewis Morgan on the right side, who I have a feature dropping tomorrow on SBISoccer.com. Uh, I spoke to him for a full length interview a couple weeks back and was able to to write that and crank that out. So it'll it'll drop tomorrow ahead of Saturday's game. Um, and to wrap up the lineup on the left side, Pellegrini will 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 probably man that spot. Okay, very quickly, the first game you predicted. Between these two outfits, you predicted that uh, Miami would beat Orlando 3-1. Uh, it, <laughs> ended, it ended 2-1. Uh, you also predicted that they'd score five goals, I think, in, in the group stage. They scored two. Um, <laughs> I, had predict, I had predicted three. So I'm going to ask I had pink Kool-Aid that week, apparently. Yeah. Well, since your predictions have been spot on, um, can you make a prediction for this game? I'm going to say draw, and I'm going to say 1-1. All right, I would say exactly the same thing. And with that, we're going to take a short break. Last week's pod was mostly centered on the rumored arrival of one Blaise Matuidi, a World Cup winner with France. It was speculation galore from the both of us. We thought he'd be announced as the third DP. Well, since then, Matuidi has put pen to paper with Miami and not as a DP, but on TAM targeted allocation money. And for you uh, MLS neophytes or for those of you who don't care about these complicated mechanisms that we also don't really care about but we have to talk about, targeted allocation money, or TAM, are funds strategically provided by the league to teams to add or retain players that will make an immediate impact on the field. That is verbatim from the MLS I was going to say, did you get that off of like a MLS dictionary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what's funny about that is it doesn't really explain what it is. So perhaps – uh, you can add in in simple terms uh, a little bit of an explanation of what TAM is and give us uh, some updates on Matuidi's arrival. So to, the simplest form and the easiest way I can say is because like you said and like we've mentioned throughout multiple episodes of this pod, for any anybody that's new to following MLS, rules are very complex I'm not sure I even know all of them, and I've been following the league for a decade. I've been covering the league for a decade, and I don't think I know all the roster rules and mechanisms. There's always new stuff or little tweaks to the rules that are being made. Essentially, 
the simplest way I'll say I'll put it is target allocation money is money that you can use for to sign certain types of players. Like designated players are the top 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 players that are most expensive players. Tam would be players just below that that don't necessarily hit that designated player salary threshold but are you know just underneath that so and you only have a certain amount of that that you can spend you can obviously trade that between teams you can trade certain amount of allocation money between yourselves and you know whoever let's say the new york red bulls for for example and you can have more so it it fluctuates from team to team in, in a given on a given day but it's it's just meant to add quality to the roster that's not necessarily of the dp standard and quality they added indeed with Blaise Montuidi coming over. Now, from your latest article, the situation as uh, we know it is that Matuidi will arrive uh, sometime during this six-game stretch, but we don't know exactly when. Yeah, so Inter-Miami expects and the plan is to have Matuidi earn some minutes and make his debut at some point during this next month but they don't know exactly when that will be because he's still in the process of filing all the paperwork and getting approval for the visa and being able to fly over once he does fly over he's going to be he's going to be uh subject to a 14 day or maybe not 14 day maybe that's that's too many I don't I don't know the exact dates but he's going to be subject to a, a period of time of quarantine in the United States or in South Florida Miami before he can partake in training and play with the team so it's going to take some time I think the team believes that he will probably not partake in any of the first 3 games in this in this period because just the, because of the the turnaround it's probably a little too tight at this point but that at some point, maybe in games four, five, or six, he'll be able to, to come off the bench or start, probably come off the bench and, and make his debut. So expect him to, the expectation is, and you guys can expect him to, to see him maybe towards the latter parts of this six-game spell. But it, I don't expect that we'll see a whole lot of him in, until later in the season. I think it's so funny that Blaze Matuidi is coming from Europe uh, to uh, the the COVID capital of the world, Florida, and he's going to have to quarantine just in case uh, he has COVID. Now, obviously, the same safe thing to 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 do, and I'm certainly not criticizing uh, protocol, but that but that's good news, and hopefully, we'll see him partake in that spell. Of course, something that we've mentioned mentioned uh, quite a few times on this pod is that this is a pretty uh, big roster, and in order to make room for Blaise Matuidi, Grant Lillard, who had moved uh, to Miami from Chicago, has been traded away to the Columbus crew for a third-round pick, if I'm not mistaken, in the Super Draft. Yes, they still do that in MLS. Yeah, and they still call it the Super Draft for some reason. But yeah, so Grant Lillard is gone. He never made an appearance with Inter-Miami. Obviously, I, the one time I got to see him play up close and personal was in the second preseason game against the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and he definitely, to me, looked like a player that was a little bit out of his depth in terms of technique and trying to play the way that Inter-Miami wanted to play. So not, not I'm not too surprised that, that, he, that he was the one shipped out. Inter-Miami's roster now stands with Lillard gone and Matuidi in at 30 players. So if Inter-Miami 
wants to sign that DP attacker later on this season or at some point in the near future, they're going to have to make another move like that where they're going to have to part ways with somebody or send them to the USL team or somebody's going to have to come off the MLS roster. And I think that's a good talking point. It's something we can maybe discuss on a later show uh, at some point because I think that, that that'd be uh, an interesting exercise to see who hasn't played all that much or who could be a candidate to 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 be axed or, or taken off this, this MLS squad. But, hey, I have to say this. Credit to, to Paul McDonough. He knows his stuff. He knows how to, how to operate the MLS salary budget or the salary cap, whatever you want to call it. And he got this deal done, at least for this season, on TAM. So Matuidi is not coming in as, as a DP, like you said. And that allows Inter Miami the flexibility to still sign a DP attacker if they can find one, if they can come to terms to one at some point in the next few weeks. And if I'm not mistaken, this is a similar deal or could turn out to be a similar deal um, to the one that Ibrahimovic signed with the Galaxy, right? Because I think he arrived as a TAM and then turned into a DP in a second season. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think the, the difference here that could be, and again, we don't, I, I haven't heard the full details and, I don't think anyone's reported the full details yet, but I think what might be different here is that Matuidi's coming in in the middle of the season, whereas Slatan came in towards the beginning of the season. Right. So I think his cap hit, while it, on a normal season, it would probably be under DP money, and I fully expect Matuidi to be a DP player come 2021. I think because of the way that the deal was made or the, and the timing of it, he comes in at the midpoint of the season, I think his cap hit is, is obviously cut in half based on the, the way MLS structures its rules. That's why, again, I give Paul McDonough a lot of credit. He knows the system very well, and he knows how he knows how to work it and operate through it, and and he got a heck of a deal done for for, for Matuidi to get him on a TAM deal and still have that flexibility for another player. So hat, uh, cap, hat tip to, uh, to, to Paul McDonough for that one. And by the way, not the first time uh, that Paul McDonough has done some acrobatics to get players. He was very successful also at Atlanta United. Uh, my my final two cents on this is that it makes total sense that Lillard is the guy who goes, not only because he, as you suggested, and I never saw him play, he was out of his depth, but the center back position is the one position, I think, on this team where Inter-Miami really have quite a bit of depth and experience. Uh, certainly for me, their best uh, sector on the team we're going to take another break questions will be answered and also a few words on the first broadcast that you will hear uh local broadcast of an inter miami game the two men on that call will be andres cordero and ray hudson on an individual note uh, as i touched on earlier i'm all about goals and assists and that's what i base myself on and i want to be amongst league leaders in both of those and um, i'm not afraid to yeah, obviously, um, at the moment that may not be the case, but it's something that I expect for myself, and um, I'm sure if I can do that, then obviously I can help be a part of a winning side. But as always, the team comes first, and um, we're working hard every single day to ensure that when the season does kick off, um, if, if and when it does, um, we'll be ready, and hopefully we can start repaying the fans for all the faith and all the patience they've shown with the team. All right, guys, it's Q and A time. Questions and answer. On Miami Total Football Radio. So the first one comes from at JRRC171, or a regular listener. He asked a bunch of questions, like you, like you touched on earlier, uh, Eric. And 
we've we've actually addressed a bunch of them. I'll read the full the full tweet and then I'll I'll hit you with which question I think we should answer. When will Matuidi come to Miami? I heard sometime in September. Robinson is finally back with the team. Do you think he'll be fit for Saturday? Will he start? What lineup do you see Inter Miami playing? Three four three or four two three one? Who do you see Miami signing for the final DP spot? Suarez. So there's a lot of questions there. Eric, I'll just ask you to answer that last one. Who do you think or who would you like to see or who do you think is realistic at this point? You obviously cover European soccer quite a bit. So who do you think would be a potential candidate for that? Well, it's interesting that we're recording this pod on a day where a list of of players uh, was released by Barcelona. Players who are untouchables, which includes Lionel Messi, Frankie de Jong, um, and a few others. And the surprising exclusions in that list were two players. Um, Gerard Piquet, okay, which suggests that Barcelona is open to offloading him. And the other player is Luis Suarez. Also interesting is that Ajax has already made a move reportedly offering 15 to 20 million um, U.S. dollars for uh, the Uruguayan to return to the club that made him famous, uh, particularly for his biting skills. Um, so I actually think that <laughs> given that there's a DP opening in Miami, given that it is a wonderful place uh, to live pre-COVID and hopefully post-COVID, it is uh, a paradise. It is warm all the time. You can go to the beach. And we do know from his social media that he does enjoy going to the beach, particularly in Ibiza. I think there is... I thought you were talking about me for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's, he's a slightly better player. Uh, I think, there, I think there's, there's a distinct possibility that Inter-Miami, if they make an offer for Luis Suarez and they make it tempting, that he at the age, uh, what is he, 33, 34, would seriously consider coming here. So I, I'm going to say Luis Suarez. I think I wouldn't rule it out, but I think it's going to be very tough to sign someone of his stature just because of the competition, like you just mentioned with Ajax. I think there's going to be so much competition. We've seen it with Cavani, we've seen it with William, who signed with Arsenal just a few days ago. There's so much competition, even though these players are older, there's so much competition for their services and teams that will pay as much, if not more, than Inter Miami probably wants to pay and that can provide the opportunity to play Champions League, which I think all of those factors make it very difficult, which leads me to this next question and more along the lines of where I think Inter-Miami can go with that final spot. This one comes from my buddy Diego Montalvan, fellow Peruvian, covers the Peruvians in MLS, does an excellent job bringing the news on the day-to-day about Peruvians, not only in MLS but around the world. Uh, obviously his at is at D Montalban. He says, when can I get your autograph? And he puts a laughing emoji, but says, no, but seriously, in case that Farfan goes to Miami, how would he fit in Alonso's team? So there have been rumors in recent days about Jefferson Farfan, uh, the Peruvian attacker. I, I, he's not a number nine. He's more of a 10, but he's gotten, he's older now. He's 35. He's coming off a long injury, but he is on a free because his club, Lokomotiv Mos- uh, Moscow in, in Russia, decided not to bring him back. He is on a free. So there are rumors that there are conversations between his agent and the club. I don't know how true or valid those are. But I think in terms of addressing that DP spot, 
I think someone, I'm not saying Farfan exactly, but someone along that maybe that uh, that situation it will be where Inter Miami goes with in terms of a player that's on a free, a player that maybe is a little bit older, but can still do the job. He might not be a Cavani, he might not be a Suarez, but someone that can do the job, score some goals, bring quality to the side, and that is maybe a little bit more of a risk because of health or form or other factors, but that is a little more financially feasible or realistic within what Miami wants to pay. And and again, if he's older, like like Afarfan, 35, almost 36, he can be a stopgap solution. A year and a half in Miami, and then you, you move on and, and find a younger number nine, or you hope that one of your number nines on the roster has, has developed into something a little more a little more uh, significant up top. Yeah, but the, the, there's only one problem with this scenario, and that's that Parfan is not a nine, right? Well, but he's, play, he's played nine as he's gotten yeah, a little he, bit he older, he, he, and, he's, and he can America. score goals, and he can score goals. Right, so he, I, he can score goals, but he's, he's certainly not a prolific scorer. I, I, I really like Farfan. I've liked him for a long time. He was stupendous in the Eredivisie. Uh, in the in, in the Netherlands, with, oh, he's, I think he's an incredible player. I think is. he's with, an incredible PSG, player. He's got incredible skill. He he is strong, man. The guy he's like a tree trunk with a lot of with a lot of skill. He's good from set pieces. Uh, although with Peru, um, not usually the 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 res, the guy responsible for taking them because of Cuevas uh, on that team. But I, it, look, I, I think he'd be he'd be added value for for Inter. I'm I'm just not sure that's the player you're looking for because essentially he could play as that number nine, but is he going to score that many goals? Maybe he is because he's playing Major League Soccer and, and yeah, financially I mean, it makes sense. So I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I, I just don't think he fits the profile of the player that is necessary. But there is no doubt in my mind that he would improve the team even at his age. I, again, I don't. I'm not saying Farfan's going to come. I, I I haven't heard that, that that's tangible. Again, it's just rumors that I've that I've that have been coming out in the last couple of days. I think again, a player like in his situation, similar to his situation, is where Miami's going to have to go with in with that spot, unless they can find a way to hit a home run. You know, before midnight because the top the clock is ticking. I think they're going to have to settle. They're going to have to make some sacrifices. So again, Farfan, for, let's just use him as an example. He's not uh, out and out number nine, but he can score goals. He has experience playing there, and his his quality will more than likely shine in MLS. And if you can get him or someone like him on a discount because of their health situation or because of their age, if you can convince them, hey, look. You know what? You're a risk here, but, and but we'll take you. But we're gonna take you at this price. I think they can absolutely find a deal. Again, I don't. I'm not saying it's gonna be for Farfang, but someone like that situation. I don't think they're gonna get a huge superstar like like they were talking about or like they like they had attempted to. So I think that that will be more along the lines of what what they have to do or what they're gonna the direction they're gonna need to go into to fill that spot. You make a good argument. Uh, my friend. Well, it's time to wrap this up. Before, but before we do, I think that's it for questions, right? I'm not jumping. Yeah, we, we we actually just got another one just now, literally like eight. It says 18 seconds ago on my phone, but it's it's a question we've already answered. It's from Lloyd 
Uh, Hailbrun at Lloyd Hailbrun, he says, why can't Matuidi play right away? He has stated he has already had COVID and tested negative in Italy, so he should be good to go. Like we said before, he's still working on the paperwork process. That's the point that that's going to take some time. That's customary uh, for most of these type of signings that you never really know or have an exact date or an exact process for how quick it is. Sometimes it's super fast. Sometimes it, it can be a little bit longer. So that, that combined with the mandatory quarantine that he's going to have to go into once he flies into the United States is why he can't, he can't play right away. Yeah. We shouldn't have answered that question from, from Lloyd Hilbrun because he doesn't follow me on Twitter. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be the policy from now on. You need to follow both of us. Uh, but but um, oh, something else you're gonna you guys have gonna have to do there at home is actually leave some reviews because I actually went to look at them and I don't usually do that. And the last one we got was months ago, so I don't no, know what whoa, you're whoa, doing whoa, with whoa, your free whoa, time. Whoa, 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 no, 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 no. See now you're, you're misinformed, Eric, and that that's that's a no no on this on this pod. We <laughs> actually got we actually got a very good review from a, a friend of the pod. Uh, Andres at Colo Blanco. He le- he wrote great pod for Inter Miami fans. This pod has a great mix of two experts, or at least people that know their stuff. Franco knows MLS like the back of his hand. Eric knows European soccer football like a European question mark. Still, the banter is great. The pod has a great balance. Inter Miami fans have another great pod. Subscribe. That was from Andres, and that's so I stand corrected. That that was a great review, Andres. You didn't have to lie <laughs> about Franco, but we appreciate. Uh, somebody gave us a two though did. somebody uh, they didn't write it but somebody gave us a two-star rating it's our first two-star rating i'm devastated i wish i could find out who it was well to be honest i i i think that's that's a, a, a that's a pretty good assessment of our pod a two <laughs> a two-star pod uh, but just before just before we end one of the things that i said before we went into the break is that this is going to be the first opportunity for Inter Miami supporters to listen to the broadcast of Andres Cordero and and Ray Hudson, two of my colleagues at BN Sports. I can tell you that both of them are pumped uh, about uh, doing their 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 first uh, broadcast, and I'm very interested to hear what you guys have to say. So you can leave that in your comments. Um, and I, just to to say my piece, I think that Inter Miami is going to have one of the best. Uh, MLS commentary uh, duos in the country for sure. Uh, but again, I am biased. And I will let you know that if you say anything negative, I will make sure to tell <laughs> them, <laughs> especially especially, uh, especially uh, uh, yeah. Dre. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, go then you, you don't have to tell them what, what I'm going to say because, look, look, I, I think Andres, like I've said, like we said many shows ago when the deal was first announced, I think he is flown under the radar in American soccer. I think he's a, a, a great at what he does. I think he's going to be a real gem. Ray Hudson's obviously a big name. People, people But his, his style is very polarizing. Some people like him. Some people don't like him. And I think th- there it's going to be kind of hit and miss. I think as a tandem, they'll do a phenomenal job. But I, I, again, I, I, I'm, I'm not the biggest I'm not the biggest Ray Hudson fan when it comes to the commentary, but I think that they're going to do a heck of a job. I think they're definitely going to be uh, well received overall by the local market, but I, I mean not by everybody. And with that final thought, we've come to the end of this Wait, week's hold podcast. On, before before you you wrap it up, we also have to mention this this uh, this game will also be broadcast on TUDN locally. So in Spanish, there will be a commentary team as well. I don't, I don't think that they have a set duo. I think it's going to be a rotation depending on who's on on a given day. But it will also be on TUDN for the 
people that prefer to listen to to the game in Spanish. So okay, I was just about to add a, a reminder that we will be back on a weekly basis now that the games are off and running again, starting with a review show of what happens this Sunday. Right, right, because there's a quick turnaround as well for for the next game after. This home opener, there's another, Inter Miami plays another game next Wednesday, so instead of doing uh, our regular Monday setup that we had planned for, we'll do something on Sunday to to recap Orlando City and to preview the the following game. Uh, And there you go. Don't forget to also follow us on all your social media platforms. And once again, leave a nice review. That's it. Until next time, big soccer heads.